It's the football, 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 and sometimes other sports show. Here's your host, AJ Nicoletti. What up? Special edition of the pod. We're going to do a U.S. Open preview, and that's all we're going to do. Um, I'm, I'm, we're probably shifting on once a week, so this will probably be the last twice of, uh, two shows in one week. So I wanted to do U.S. Open preview, put it out on Wednesday, give you a little more life before the tournament starts on Thursday. So that's all we're doing here, a Preview of the 123rd U.S. Open, the 2023 version at the L.A. Country Club, Los Angeles Country Club, the LACC. Uh, so we'll do that with a look back at the five previous winners, talk about the uh, course a little bit in the history of the course, the weather, and then we'll go hole by hole and then into the storylines with the players who are competing for this championship, odds, and then picks, and we'll get you out on that. So. That will be this edition of the pod. No no footy, no NFL, no college football, no NBA Finals, no Stanley Cup Final. Just just the U.S. Open preview here. So that's what we will do. Off the top, a happy early Father's Day to all the fathers celebrating out there. Um, happy early Father's Day. Hopefully you get a nice uh, weekend and uh, it culminates with some primetime golf, which is always the best about uh, West Coast golf and some West Coast majors. We get prime time golf, which is always, always fun, always exciting um, to watch. So let's preview it. The 123rd U.S. Open. Last five winners last year. Fitz, uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick, six under by one shot over Scotty Scheffler and Will Zalatoris at the Country Club in Brookline. Out of the bunker there. The nine iron, absolutely sensational shot. 2021, it was John Rahm at six under as well. Over Louis season by one shot at Torrey Pines. 2020, it was Bryson at Wingfoot. Six under by six. Nobody close to Bryson there. 2019 at Pebble was Gary Woodland. 13 under by three over Brooks. And Brooks won his second U.S. Open 2018 in Shinnecock after he won in 2017 Aaron Hills. He was one over at Shinnecock beat Tommy Fleetwood by one. So those are the last five winners. Three six-unders, one one over, and a 13-under from Gary Woodland at Pebble Beach. So let's talk more about LA Country Club. The first major championship held at this club will be this open. First men's major in the LA area in 28 years, and the first area's U.S. Open in 75 years. It's the North Course. It hosted the L.A. Open 97 years ago in 1926. It returned four more times in 39, 35, 36, and 1940. Um, most recent was won by Lawson Little in 1940. Heavy rains they had. It was early in the season, of course. So, history of the club. What is hosted? The 1930 U.S. Women's Amateur. The 1954 Junior U.S. Amateur. And then it also hosted the 2017 Walker Cup that was won by the U.S. And it was Scotty Scheffler and Commodore Kawa on that team. Wills Altoris was, but Wills injured, as we know. So that's some of the history of the golf course. We'll touch more on that in a second uh, when we do hole-by-hole stuff. But weather-wise, it's been kind of 
warm. It hasn't been, I'd say, sensationally hot there, uh, but it's been warm. It's going to play fast and firm, and it seems like in the conditions will continue those. Uh, well, the weather conditions will keep the playing conditions the same because we're going to have partly cloudy and not a not a lot of shots at rain through Thursday through Sunday. So Thursday, low of 59, high of 69, partly cloudy, and the wind out of the southwest, 9 miles an hour. Same wind on Friday, high of 60, low of 71, partly cloudy again. Saturday, again, the same wind, southwest, 9 miles an hour. High uh, 73, low 61, partly cloudy. Sunday, low of 60, high of 70, partly cloudy. Wind a little switched. South-southwest, 8 miles an hour. So that's the weather. Course renovation now, uh, 96 and 97, extensive renovation of both courses, the north and the south, were completed, but it really wasn't what the original designer, George C. Thomas, wanted to do from 1921. So the club in um, February, but before that, they consulted Gil Hansen and uh, Jeff Shackelford, who's a golf author, actually, who's... Uh, wrote the books on Thomas. So him and Hans took it over. Hans famously also did the renovation at Brookline. So when they were about to do it, 2008, I believe, uh, the financial crisis hit. So the members had to delay it a little bit. So they actually started the project in 2010. Um, and they started the bunkers. And um, they were able to start with the ferry bunkers. They redid it with tall fescue and then fine fescue stacked in kind of different numbers on the edges of the bunkers. So it's thick grass, chewed edges. It got the approval from the members. And then Hanson Shackelford kind of went forward with some of the more um, things that they planned in the restoration that looked more like Thomas's golf course, including the second green moving up the hill. So eight can be played longer coming in the other way. A green at six got moved up the hill. They pulled out a ton of trees and a ton of bushes. And uh, the greenside bunkers were also redone with some of the um, ideas that they did with the fairway bunkers, with the fescues, and then it's soft sand there. So par 70, 35-35 for this U.S. Open, nearly 7,500 yards. It's Bermuda grass rough. It's the first at a U.S. Open since 2005. And it's way up, as you know, as you think it would be at a U.S. Open. Um, but it's not as much rough as you think because of the Barranca, which we'll get to in a second. And also, not only the Barranca, but these wide uh, fairways that are sloped. Yes, there are a bunch of holes that are sev uh, severely sloped. The fairways either right to left or left to right. And you got to be in a certain area or your ball is going to run off into a rough. But it's not as much rough as you have seen from like a Parkland U.S. Open type golf course, but there is significant rough and it is long and it is a hazard as we know, but the fairways are wide. Now the Barrancas that I mentioned, um, we got bridges above the Barrancas. What the hell is a Barranca? I'll tell you what it is. So according to the article on golf, I think it was USGA or golf.com, whatever it was, a Barranca is steep sided ravine, gully or gorge or varying width of depth. That is common feature uh, of the landscape in Southern California. So mainly what it does is it funnels the water when there is water away from holes and um, towards the sewer system because it, we're at a golf course here that it, it is in L.A., guys. Like, it is smack dab in L.A., the Playboy Mansion. You can hear some of the animals um, on the course. If you're that close to the Playboy Mansion. 
you're you're in the Hollywood Hills essentially. Um, so these barrancas, what it is, it runs mainly through the front nine, and what Hans and Shackelford did, uh, like along with moving some greens and the trees and bushes, they restored the barranca to kind of an original hazard because they had. Uh, grown Bermuda grass over it and it just kind of it wasn't necessarily a hazard except when the water was there then it kind of filled up but you really had you didn't really have tough lies if you missed fairways necessarily you were just kind of in different Bermuda grasses and depending on how long the rough was right so Hanson Shackford changed that it's a lot of native areas a lot of native grass you're probably gonna find your ball if you're in these but you're gonna get some really tough lies and there are some penalty areas as well that you might not be able to play from. So Barranca will be a um, issue, a talking point in this tournament, of course, with the rough and the bunkers, right? So the undulation of the property, you kind of play down from one because that's where the clubhouse is. It's kind of a plateau and you're down through like the fifth hole. And even though like four is... Still down as you're working your way back up to the high point. It's still down. And uh, six is up. Uh, you place down to six, sorry. Then seven and eight are back up to the plateau at nine. Then the back um, plays along the high ground. There's a few ups and downs from 11 and 12. 13 along the top until 17. And then 18, you get back to the plateau. So there are three par fives, only three par fives. Five par threes that matches the 1923 U.S. Open at Worcester Country Club and the 1947 U.S. Open at St. Louis Country Club for the most in play. Five par threes that matches the record. And with this setup, with Thomas's setup, all five kind of play a different direction. So even though you're going to get a consistent win, you're not going to get the same wind um, with the same conditions going into a par three which is really really cool and then we have 10 par fours six of the 10 playing over 480 as it seems with a couple topping off into the 500 so let's go hole by hole here and um the great thing that this golf course designer thomas did was he offered you a first hole par five that kind of was a handshake and he did it at riviera he did it at bel-air and he does it here at the first hole at LACC probably the easiest hole on the course most likely still a three shot par five unless you hammer a driver it's flat really the hole because you're on that plateau the green does um slope from right to left it's open from the right second and just like Riven Bel Air where you get the handshake par five you get a demanding par four following it and it just follows it right here so um, you need a right-to-left tee shot on two, and your second shot is carrying over the barranca to the green. The third is a par four. Fairway kicks hard to the right towards the barranca. Below the pin, you got to be here at this molar-shaped kind of green. Big slopes back to front is this green. The fourth is a par three island kind of green amongst the barranca. No water there. But amongst the hazard, some runoff chipping areas if you miss the green, but not it's it's not very wide those those runoffs. 
Fifth hole, par four, similar to the third, left to right uh, shape fairway. You're blocked from the right, but open from the left at another molar-shaped green. So similar holes, three to five there. Then you got the Barranca a lot on the next three holes, six, seven, eight. Six is maybe the most exciting hole on the golf course. It's a drivable short par four that you can't see the green off the tee. There are clear layup options, but that yardage, you don't. it doesn't really make sense for some of these guys to lay up. So um, it's going to be interesting to see if players are um, very disciplined with their strategy, whether that's laying up all four days or are there going to be opportunities or pins that they say, I'm going to go for this. So it, it might not even be a driver if they're trying to get to the green. So a very interesting hole. Six, very cool. Seven, par three. It's a hybrid hole. It could play uh, par four for the members, but it's going to be a par three all week, ranging from 200 to 290. Uh, bunker right, but it's open from the left. Um, it's kind of level, level putting green. The seventh could play longer than the sixth as a par three versus a par four, which is pretty interesting. The eighth, par five. Most aggressive hole you can probably be on. Uh, left to right, big slope fairway, then a right to left second shot, so kind of a sweeper sweeper the other way. Small green, bunker right, Barranca left, so if you're going forward in two, you got to make sure you're on the green or else you're going to be in a tough bunker or in a really questionable lie in the Barranca. Last hole of the opening nine, par three, Exits the canyon, uphill, three level green bunkers, front, left, and right. Back nine on the upland quadrant of the property. So it's, I don't want to say it's relatively flat, but there are, it's it's more flat than the front, I would say. The 10th, par four, open area to hit in, but a slide slope and bunkers challenge the second shot. Back to front, sloped green at 10. The 11 is the par 3 that a lot of people are talking about. Going to play 290, but it is downhill, to be fair. Protected by bunkers front and left. Fall off on three sides of the screen. Probably 260 to 290 all four days. Open on the left side if you do carry the bunker. So you can kind of run one in there if you're hitting like a high iron in there, or possibly even like a low wood, a hybrid or something like that. 12 is a par 4 short hole, but a very severe green. It is a possible birdie hole on the back here, but a, they have a blind tee shot. Hole turns left for the second shot. The green is protected by a front bunker. There's some swales in this green that makes it tough. It, it's This is kind of the start of a lot of tough greens that have swales and undulation that maybe the front, what, 10-11 holes did not have. And then... The finishing stretch starts at 13. Part four, you need to be in the fairway. And you're going to say, okay, that makes sense for a U.S. Open. But then when you see the hole, you're going to be like, wait a second. The hole, the fairway is like 75 yards wide. What do you mean you need to be in the fairway? Well, there's a 25-yard spot on the left side where your ball is not going to kick severely to the right and possibly end up in um, the long rough on the right. Bunker right side of the green uh, it's open from the left, but there is an illusion bunker that you think is up against the green, but there's probably 
uh, I'd say 20 yards there between that green and that illusion bunker that seems like it is because it's kind of an uphill second there. So you need to be in the fairway on 13, 14, par 5. Hard to get home in 2. Not going to be a lot of eagles here, that's for sure. For the tee shot, bunkers cut in the fairway on the right side. It's certainly carryable, but drives could be in the left rough to make sure you avoid that tough bunker. Um, then you have bunkers covering the front right of the green. It uh, you can't be in that bunker. Um, it's slightly open front left if you land it there and can run it up with maybe a fade for righties or a uh, draw for lefties. So, um, I, I I think they're talking a lot about do not be in that bunker on 14. So, that's a place where if you see a player, that they're in trouble. 15th, par 3. Could be a defining hole on this backstretch. A very rare, very short par 3. Uh, we had the downhill one at Brookline last year, but it was still a challenging hole because of the downhill aspect. This could be a challenging hole because the yardage could play as short as 78 yards. And that's not really a yardage that a lot of pros love, right? Because um, it's not necessarily a full shot. So you have that pin position on that front tongue section of like an upside down U this green looks like. That's only 10 yards wide. So a lot of players are not really hoping for that pin on uh, front left on 15, but we could see it and it could play less than 80 yards in the U.S. Open a hole when all we're talking about is lengthening the courses and all that. That, that could be a really, really funny uh, and interesting pin location there on 15, maybe on the weekend. 16 and 17 and 18 are these tough, demanding par fours coming home. 16, demanding tee shot. You can get 50 yards of roll if you get a good bounce and you're a long hitter, but bunkers on the right. Drives could run into them, could run into the rough as well. Green open from the front left, bunker front right. It is a tough green at 16. 17, another par four. Barranca right, bunkers left for the tee shot. Another long hole. It's probably the least forgiving hole on the property. You got a tunnel of trees for the tee shot. Very reminiscent of 18 at Augusta, to be fair of that kind of the crowd and the trees and you got that narrow shoot that you got to send your tee shot up similar there to this 17th at LA CC deep green at this 17th 45 yards of depth to hit into could be three different clubs you're hitting into this green depending on where the tees are and the, the flag is day to day to day maybe even four for some guys uh, green is open from the right, bunkers left. And the 18th, a lot of people saying there's a hard hole on the property. Back to the plateau, back to the clubhouse. It's a tough eye line for your tee shot, uh, what you're aiming at, what's your aim point, all these kind of things. It, it's a, it's an interesting, interesting angle and uh, eye line for this final hole. Tee shot. Down the right, we'll probably have the best angle for your second. We got bunkers right and left on the green. So that is the 1 through 18 of the L.A. Country Club. Uh, let's talk storylines. I'm not doing live merger stuff, PIF stuff. I'm not doing it right now. It's We're still so early in it. I, I can't do it, but obviously I'll talk about some of the live guys. Unfortunately, we got no Tiger Woods, no Wills Al Torres. Obviously, Will 
has had a really strong record without winning in major championships. And Tiger is arguably one of the greatest, if not the greatest of all time. So you're missing both those guys at this tournament for different reasons. I got to start with the live guy coming off this PGA Championship. Brooks back to major form. He seemed to have that opportunity at Augusta. And then Sunday morning did not really play well, let John Rahm take it from him and, and win that green jacket. And he learned from it and got back to his major form at the PGA at Oak Hill. And now he's looking for his sixth major overall. He's looking for that six-pack, and he's looking for his third U.S. Open to go with the third PGA. So Brooks will be a factor in this championship. That's a fact. Now, Rory McIlroy, one of my favorites, top ten finishes in his last four U.S. Opens, but he's gone nine years without winning one of his uh, four majors. Seven top 10 finishes in U.S. Opens overall, including in 2021, uh, 2011 when he won at Congressional, setting the low mark for 72 holes, 16 under, 268 total strokes. This year in majors, Rory McIlroy missed the cut at the Masters, uh, disappointing, and then tied seventh at the PGA. He, let, he, he, he should have had a better uh, showing at the PGA, that's for sure. So Rory... Obviously a factor. Scotty Scheffler back to number one in the world, looking for his second major. Tied second last year to Fitzpatrick at the country club. A guy that, if he hits fairways, has an opportunity. He is very good tee to green. We know that, but his putting has been an issue. His bunker play has been an issue. Those are the two weaknesses for Scotty Scheffler. John Rahm back to number two. Winning a Masters and U.S. Open in the same calendar year is what Rahm is going for. Since World War II, the list of golfers to achieve that, Ben Hogan, Arnold Palmer, Jack Nicklaus, Tiger Woods, Jordan Spieth, that's it. So Rahm could be in rarefied air if he were to win his second U.S. Open and his third major. Um, and if it was a Masters and U.S. Open in the same year, that would be pretty sweet. Justin Thomas, who has not looked great in majors um this season so far he's looking for his third major two top tens in the open um but again he has not played well in major championships this year a lot of guys talking about Jordan Spieth and I'm one of them because a lot of people like Jordan Spieth's chances uh this could be his second U.S. Open could be his fourth major overall he's been in the mix he's given himself opportunities I would not be shocked to see this course and Spieth's eye line up. Let's just say that. Kyle Morikawa competing for um, his first U.S. Open would be his third major overall. Tied fourth, tied fifth, his last two Opens. He is good enough to grind it out to win a 72-hole tournament, you know, under eight, under par, like, you know, eight under to four under range. I think he's still good enough to win a tournament at even par. He's that good of a player and a solid ball striker. If he can putt and if he can make some pars and hang in there on some holes where he's got to make some par saves, he can absolutely can win this championship. Uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick is defending, looking for his second. I think there was a really, really special thing about him and the country club last year where – yeah, there was some pressure, but that was a really nice storyline that people were thinking about. Now, when you're a major champion, when you're going back to the major that you won and you're defending, there's a little more pressure. 
I, I hope he makes a cut and competes, but I'm not sure if I have a lot of expectations for Fitz this week. Now, the guy who is kind of trying to follow Fitz's footsteps last year with like a win that's sentimental to him and his fan is Max Homa, the L.A. kid. He has the official course record 61 here at L.A. when uh, Cal was competing in the Pac-12s and Homa was on the team. However, three missed cuts and a tied 47 last year in the U.S. Open. He does not have a great record in major championships yet. He doesn't really have um, a solid performance, a good Sunday, to, uh, a good a good Thursday to get at the top of the leaderboard, a good Friday to stay in contention, a good Saturday to hang around, and maybe somebody nabs him on Sunday. No, it really hasn't happened yet for Max. Could this be at least the weekend that Max is in the top five competing till the 71st, 72nd hole, and somebody takes it from him, or maybe he wins one? I think this is an opportunity for Max. It's a course he's familiar with. It's a place where he's going to have a lot of people rooting for him. And at some point, why not Max Homa? And I think if there's someone that can play off the L.A. stuff, it's it's obviously him. Xander Shoffley, the Olympic gold medalist. But again, I've asked this how many times. Is it time for him to be a major champion? Five top tens in U.S. Opens. He's similar to Morikawa in the sense of a grinder. Doesn't mind it being tough. Likes it uh, challenging. So Xander Shoffley a factor. Victor Hovland is a factor. Top 10s in each major, but this one, he's off that Memorial win, which was a lot of people calling a mini U.S. Open broke out at Jack's Place at Mirrorfield Village. Victor Hovland off the Memorial win, a storyline in this tournament. More in this kind of breakthrough category. Patrick Cantley. I understand a lot of people like Pat Cantley. He's a solid golfer. He's won some big tournaments, and he's been a factor. But until he wins, I'm just going to not put him on my big contention list because you got to do something for me. You, it, it, it can't just continue to be, oh, watch out for this guy. He's ready to break through. Like At some point, we're going to look at him and be like, okay, we got to put him out of that category, and it's when's that guy going to win? Um. Cam Young is a good ball striker, as we know, a long driver of the ball. Can he putt? Can he be consistent enough to compete here? Tony Finau, a great player, um, has found a little bit of major championship form, but hasn't had those big uh, weekends. Is it his time? Billy Horschel has not been really good in major championships. He's a good PGA Tour player. He's a winner. But his major record isn't great, and I hope it would be better. But I don't know how it, it's tough for him. Um, Fleetwood, for me, is a guy that gets a pass because he's a really nice guy, and I root for him. And I, and I, I you know, he's on not on my top list, but he's on the outside of the top list, and I root for him. Him, a guy like Terrell Hatton. All right, boys, let's get some wins now, you know? How about some former uh, major champions? Marion Champ, Justin Rose, always on the leaderboards, always a factor in U.S. Opens, it seems like. Shane Larry plays well in these major championships. Uh, Matsuyama in the field, Adam Scott, Jimmy Walker, Frankie Molinari, uh, Gary Woodland, some other major championships uh, in the field. Young Guns, Sam Burns. How about Siwoo Kim, Sungjae M, Tom Kim, Thigala? Will they be in the mix? Will they be in the hunt for a U.S. Open? And then we got the resurgence. Jason Day, Ricky Fowler, Keegan Bradley. Um, Keegan was a factor there in the PGA for a little bit. Um, excited to see Ricky Fowler back in the U.S. Open. Jason Day, 
when Jason Day's in grind mode and he has it, he's a very tough out in these major championships. Now, uh, we talked about Brooks at the top. The other live guys, Cam Smith, the champion golfer of the year for the Open Championship um, across the pond. He doesn't really fare well in U.S. Opens. He's missed the cut the last two, um, but a very, very talented player nonetheless. DJ, we know, has the U.S. Open in a green jacket, but DJ did not play the course until Monday. I don't really think he cares anymore. He's got a big check, and though he does like competing, for me, him saying that he didn't get there until Monday, he's never played it before, that just shows you that uh, I would not take him. Uh, Bryson, the Wingfoot champ, I don't really have much to say about Bryson. I don't really like him, you know that. Phil, searching for that career grand slam. Uh, the six-time major champion, but he's come in second six times at this championship. Could it be this time for Phil Mickelson, and then he'll become the oldest guy to win another major again? Who cares? Uh, former live major champs, Keimer, multiple times, Sergio, Pat Reed. Rest of the live guys in the field, Abe Answer, Munoz, Peters, Pereira, Ortiz, Neiman, and Puig. Odds, Scotty Scheffler, uh, just inside 7-1. Uh, he's 13-2. John Rahm eight to one, Kepka just inside nine to one at seventeen to two, Hovland ten to one, Rory eleven, Cantley four to one, Max Homa sixteen to one, Xander Shoffley eighteen to one. The group of twenty five: JT, Jordan Spieth, Colin Morikawa, Cam Smith, Tony Finau, DJ's twenty eight to one, Cam Young, Fitzpatrick thirty five to one. Group at forty: Hatton, Matsuyama, Bryson, Sung J M, Jason Day, Tommy Fleetwood forty five, and then the group at fifty: Neiman, Burns, Lowry, Ricky Fowler. Jay Rose. All right. Uh, picks. I'm going to pick Jordan Spieth. Something about Jordan Spieth's game here I think fits. Uh, I think he's going to be able to roll the rock and uh, give himself some opportunities to uh, make some testy par putts, but he's going to roll them in true. I, I like Jordan. Obviously, you know, I, I hope Rory or, or Colin wins or one of those guys, but I, I have a feeling about Jordan Spieth this week for some reason. So give me Jordan a win. I got top 10s on um, Rory, Morikawa, JT, Scheffler, Rom, Shoffley, Homa, and then uh, top 30s, Fleetwood, Ricky, Jason Day, and Fitz. So happy Father's Day to everybody. Hopefully you enjoyed this uh, U.S. Open preview and probably going on once a week now, but uh, I wanted to make sure we got the U.S. Open preview out before the tournament started Thursday morning, give you some uh, time here on Wednesday, and then maybe Thursday before the tournament starts that you can listen to it because it's going to be on the West Coast or my East Coasters. So uh, we got primetime golf Thursday with the opening round. Friday, making the cut is going to be exciting on NBC there. And then Saturday, our leaders are probably tee off Eastern time, maybe like 5 o'clock to be honest and go till what? Close to 11, probably play 10, 10 o'clock-ish here on the East Coast for Saturday and Sunday and we'll crown a champion on Father's Day. So again, happy Father's Day to everybody out there. Enjoy the golf, enjoy the U.S. Open, and we will recap it all next week on a full show. So we'll do the U.S. Open recap, soccer stuff, NFL head stuff, but this is strictly the U.S. Open preview. Enjoy the golf. L.A. Country Club is the scene. Have a good one. Peace.
Football and Football and Sometimes Other Sports Show. That's the name of it? Guys, check out his podcast. That sounds like my kind of podcast. Football, 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 and Sometimes Other Sports Show. Sounds like me.